What's up, cold weather bats people? This is Brandon Justice here to talk to you about our new partner here at CWB, and that is Prospect Center. Located in Clinton, Michigan, the Prospect Center is a baseball training facility that is available to all levels of baseball players, softball players, and teams. They've got an all-new field surf with three tunnels, six L screens, three field screens that are seven by seven, along with two pro-level pitcher mounds, an iron mic, a hack attack, and a hit tracks. So all the technology and amenities to provide for your individual training or team training. Owners Nick Capaferi and Mike Rice are in the building every day and can't be contacted directly for details at 586-649-7216. Again, Nick or Mike at 586-649-7216. Additionally, the Prospect Center is adding teams for the 2023 summer. If you're looking to take your team to a facility that can provide training throughout the winter and then a schedule for the summer, contact Mike Rice with Prospects Baseball. Welcome into another episode of Cold Weather Bats. I am Brandon Justice. Joined by me, as always, is Brian Sikowski. Uh, another fun week of Michigan baseball this past week, and as always, we're here to recap it. Um, so we got some new things coming at you today. First and foremost, another solid interview with Coach Mike Rice this week of Cardinal Mooney. On top of that, we've got another edition of the Super 25 coming at you this week via episode. Last week, we released it uh, on social media. And just so we wanted to get those rankings out there, and we'll dive into that here shortly. Uh, and then we'll make some state championship picks on top of that with a pretty cool format we've come up with for this year. With all that being said, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, all social media at Cold Weather Bats. With all that being said, Brian, how you doing? I'm good, man. I got to see uh, I got to see the old defending D1 state champion Grand Blank Bobcats the other day. Uh, saw them take down Flushing in a in a little friendly tournament deal they had there at uh, Mount Morris, and New Lothrop was there. The whole deal. It was a fun day. Um, David Lally pitched really well. He's got good stuff, et cetera, et cetera. We know that. Uh, but it's been fun, man. It, it's been good. Lots of baseball being played. The weather's finally starting to break a little bit, uh, at least as far as uh, not being 17 degrees outside. So that's been nice the last week or so. Um, but, you know, yeah, you know, it's been uh, – it's cool. Like the last couple weeks, like obviously we, we – the, the folks will never know this. Well, the folks will know this, but they'll never hear it. But we had an episode recorded last week. It's the long lost cold weather bats ghost episode. Um, but yeah, basically what happened is, is we screwed up. Uh, Brandon and I screwed up. We recorded a thing, kind of forgot that, uh, the super producer James had, had said that he could really only work on the weekends this spring, uh, as far as getting our stuff done. And we totally screwed up and recorded an episode on a Monday and was like, all right, let's go. And then it was like, Hey, this isn't going to be, you know, done until next weekend. We were like, Oh yeah, that's our bad. So, um, so, so that's just gone to, to the, to the wind. Uh, and we decided to just totally re-record everything with the exception of our interview with coach rice uh, to update and make sure that we're synced up as far as what we say on social media with the Super 25 and what the latest episode has and so on and so forth. And I just feel better this way anyways. Brandon, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just 
I don't know. I feel like we were going to have to do a lot of explaining <laughs> uh, yeah. about things. It would have been hard uh, to follow. Right. Yeah. And this is just far more black and white. Everything you're hearing is good. There's nothing, there's nothing to change about this episode. Uh, and it'll be fun, as always. So, I mean, hey, it's. I think it's time for our first segment. Yeah. State championship picks. People love it. Uh, what's been... I mean, we we look back on cold weather bats and what has been the more successful episodes, I would say, from a viewership perspective, have been the ones where we get a little creative with analyzing Michigan baseball, uh, whether that's the team draft or the player drafts, which, Brian, all the credit for your idea with that originally. Uh, and those were a big thing. And then last year being our state championship picks, also getting a big one as well. So uh, we like coming up with these nifty little... I don't know what you would call them, uh, just wrinkles to the show where there's kind of one-off segments that we do annually um, to kind of preview the year coming up or give you some perspective into the whole state rather than just focusing on one thing or the other. Um, so with that being said, we've got, which I've been saying a lot during this show, uh, we've got the state championship picks and we're doing it a little different. We're not just going to you know, pick them. Last year, we, we more or less just picked them. Uh, this year, we're going to be giving you two favorites, and then we're going to give you two underdogs. So essentially, and w- what we mean by underdogs is more like a dark horse. They're not seen as the top dog or maybe one of the top two dogs in that uh, you know division, but we do see them as a, a legitimate contender to win that division's state title. Uh, so Brian, if you want to start from the bottom with D4, uh, I'll take D3, you D2, and then I'll take D1. Deal. Um, so yes, as Brandon said, uh, we're going to make this a little bit more like gambling because who wouldn't, uh, in today's day and age. So yes, going to give you two favorites and two sleepers in each division. So for division four, our two sleepers for the division four state title, Cardinal Mooney and Hackett. And those are the two finalists from last year. So this year, I think D4 is kind of looking like it might turn upside down a little bit. Those are still two of the top you know, two, three, four schools in D4, at least as, as far as it looks right now with baseball, Mooney and Hackett. Um, so not to take anything away, like I would still project them to be in the final four. Uh, but our favorites for D4, uh, Beale City, a school we've talked about as far as, you know, been in the Super 25. They were last year. They were good last year. They're good again this year, et cetera, et cetera. And Royal Oak Shrine, who looks like they might be the favorite in D4 right now, at least uh, on the surface, um, really dominant so far. They're something like 15 and two. I think they had a, a you know, a five and a week or whatever. Uh, they're beating some quality opponents. They did that whole battle for Royal Oak thing um, against Royal Oak high school on last Friday night. And they did it at the, the leprechauns park or whatever that is. And it, cool, cool experience, like cool vibes. Um, anything that we can do, by the school, by the players, by the coaches, by the community, by a podcast, whatever, anything that we can do that's like making baseball cooler in an individual community is definitely something that I'm in favor of. So that was cool by them, and they're our favorite to win the D4 state title. So Brandon's going to take us to D3. Yeah, so D4 should be some fun this year. Uh, you know, last year it was it was a pretty good time to see Mooney make the run they ran with uh, and Hackett having, you know, the Notre Dame guy, Stephen Quapis, who kind of took the – I guess the spotlight during playoffs for them producing as much as he did. Uh, but we'll move on to D3 where we have some fun there as always with Liggett being the favorite uh, as they were last year and as they are this year. And as you know, if I had to project right now, as long as they stay in D3, 
will be next year as well with the roster that they have uh, from the seniors down to the freshmen. And Liggett is continuing uh, to play well. They split with Rice for the second time this year, this week. Um, and we'll talk more about them when the Super 25 comes uh, with a bigger picture for the Knights. Uh, Buchanan is our other favorite. We've discussed Buchanan uh, a few times during the show uh, last season and some this season as well. The Bucks are just one of those teams that we didn't know a whole lot about before we started the show, um, but they're a team that we do know a lot about now that we have done this as long as we've done it for about a year now and some change, and it's been uh, a team that's been consistent. They win all their games typically in their area, and they like to challenge themselves playing better teams from outside the area, and they do well winning those games too. Who was the team that you mentioned Buchanan uh, beat a couple of times a couple of weeks ago, Brian? Catholic Central. Went down there and lost twice. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that's who it was, but didn't want to misquote myself um, like I like to do sometimes on this show. So uh, that's a, a successful year from Buchanan, who I think took two losses this week, but won a series. Uh, again, we'll talk about them when we get to the Super 25. Uh, your Dark Horses underdogs are Edison. Uh, they're a team that we originally labeled as a favorite to be a threat to Liggett. Um, we're not going to remove that label from them. Still think they're a team that has what it takes to contend for a state title uh, that can push Liggett. And if they're in the same district again, can entertain us with a good district game uh i think health is something that they need I, they really need a healthy starter in certain spots and i think that's what they're waiting on and if they if they can come to full health this can still be the season that we thought it was going to be um, for edison and then the other side of the dark horses in d3 we've got homer who just continues to win baseball games uh, in Michigan like they do seemingly uh, every year. What do we got for the record here on Homer so I can let the people here at home It's now? actually fourteen tough and one. to say because they're, what they have on Max Reps and what they have on Game Changer are two different things. So I'm not entirely sure what to go with there. Um, but on Max Preps, they're 7-0, and and that is what is reflected uh, within the MHSBCA also is that record. So, but on game changer, it's got them at like 14 and one or something. So I don't know what's going on there. If anybody from Homer is listening and would, would like to correct us as far as like what we're, what we're saying here, that would be, that would be nice. But either way, that's who we're going with. Either way, Homer solidifies himself as a dark horse in D3. So again, favorites Liggett and Buchanan in D3. Meanwhile, your underdogs, Dark horses are Edison and Homer, and I will hand it off to Brian for Division Two. Yeah, Division Two um, again is something we've talked about. Something that has been talked about. D two wide open for the first time in a little while. Uh, now that St. Mary's is is up to D one, so D two kind of open as far as you know what we're looking at here. Um, but anyway, the two favorites. We'll start with New Boston Huron. Uh, they're still twelve and two, still having a good year. Still like the uh, the pitching talent to top the the rotation there, um, but then a newcomer uh, to more or less our cognizance this year, and you'll see them in a very favorable spot uh, in the Super Twenty Five once we get there. Forest Hills Eastern, shouts out to Forest Hills Eastern, fourteen and zero, uh, and obviously a Division Two school. Um, have to imagine that they're you know right up there with New Boston here on, which is what we're saying. So. Those two are the favorites. The sleepers, Richmond, who's having a very good year, uh, borderline top ten team. Uh, we'll see exactly where once we get to the Super Twenty Five. Um, don't need to talk about them anymore. Bay City John Glenn, who actually, uh, again, we'll bring them up in the Super Twenty Five as far as what happened to them last week and who did it and 
what happened to that school in particular. But still, Bay City John Glenn, really talented team in D2, still thinking that they're a team that's going to be there at the end or uh, make a run to be there at the end. Still uh, like them a fair bit. So that's it for D2. Huron and Forest Hills Eastern, the favorites. Richmond and Bay City John Glenn are dark horses. Now we get to D1, where the picture is clear right uh, at the top, uh, but there is an emerging team in there that we're going to mention here momentarily. Uh, so Orchard Lake St. Mary's, we all knew that was coming when we got to D1. They're the favorite uh, at the top. And then next to them is Grand Blank, the defending state champs in Division One, of course, as we know, Orchard Lake, or if you don't know, Orchard Lake was Division Two last year, and now they're Division One. Uh, so Grand Blank is the defending D1 state champions. St. Mary's, the defending D2 state champions. However, both are now in D1. So I hope you kept up with that. Uh, those are our two favorites in Division One. To our dark horses, where we have two up-and-coming, surging teams this year who have really... I think, I don't want to say biggest surprise, but I think we can say biggest surprise of 2022 has been Northville and Howell. Uh, Northville Mustangs, obviously Dante Nori is the center fielder there, committed to Mississippi State. Some other plug-and-play players there as well. They always have good arms, and I believe that's what's been getting them um, by a lot with limiting a lot of offenses, as we've seen. But they've had some really high-end run production Um Luke Brody's been a guy for them that's been playing really well towards the top of their order. Uh, and then in Howell, you just have a deep team. Apparently, we don't know a ton about Howell. I know the Militellos are at Howell. I believe the Militellos are at Howell, and that's a good group. Uh, I know that they have an arm at Howell that I've heard about. Looking to learn more about them. So if you're listening and you're from Howell, please reach out to Cold with the Bats because <laughs> we would love to either have you on or, or figure more out about you. But that's a team that is, uh, what do we got for the record on Howell? 16-1. Uh, and they just mm-hmm. swept Heartland. Now, why I wanted to mention them in the same breath was because these two teams play on Monday. We're recording this on Sunday. We're hoping to get this out before that game comes out. If you're hearing it at any point, though, it was before the game comes out. So those two dark horses will face off uh, on Monday, and that'll be a great game. And those two teams have been I – mean, Northville just lost their first game to Canton. They're 16-1. and mm-hmm. The game they lost to Canton was 2-1. to um, They saw Canton's ace and – you know, left it all out there, but a 16 and one season is pretty undeniable. Same thing with Howell at 14 and one here to start. So those are your four. And it's funny because, you know, we've always mentioned D two as the strongest division in baseball, just because Orchard Lake has been there, but that even dates back a couple of years prior to, I think in, in some instances year by year, but really D one has shaped up. I know that Orchard Lake is Orchard Lake and they are the heavy favorite. However, Grand Blank, Northville, and Howell. Those are three really good teams. Three of the better teams in the state, as you're about to find out here at the end of the show. Um, so I think D1 is going to give us more entertainment uh, than we imagined it would at the beginning of the year. And that's probably going to come more so in like the regional and district territory because I, I still see Orchard Lake playing to their capability in the semis in the states. But I think you'll see a lot of good games leading up to that. So that is it for your D1 to D4 state championship picks uh, along with some bonus picks with the underdogs and dark horses and with that we're gonna roll right into our interview segment uh, with cardinal mooney's head baseball coach mike rice we'll see you on the other side of that Welcome into this interview edition of Cold Weather Bats. This week we bring on Cardinal Mooney head coach Mike Rice, uh, also a co-owner of the Prospect Center, which I'm sure we will talk about a little bit as well. Uh, Mike's in his sixth season at the helm for Cardinal Mooney. Uh, 
coming off of a state final appearance, first time in program history. Uh, Mike, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. So let's when we, we brought it up there in the intro a little bit. Let's dive into it. You guys had, and I know you're, as a coach, focused on this year, focused on the next game. I get all of that. Uh, but the people at home haven't had the chance to hear from you or talk to you uh, podcast form since last year. So let's start there and we'll work our way up to present day. Uh, you guys had a heck of a season last year. You really made a name for yourself over at Cardinal Mooney. Uh, you translated that into the playoffs with a state finals run, came up short taking second place, but uh, a run that has not happened uh, for the program. And it's something that you built firsthand. So just talk about what that was like culminating up to that point uh, and what went into that run for your team last season. Yeah, you know, now that I've had some time to reflect on it, um, it was it was a, almost a picture-perfect season. I mean, as you guys know, I mean, I, I say it quite often, but players play, right? And, you know, we ran some great practices. Uh, we had some leaders. But at the end of the day, man, some of these guys could just play baseball and you know, it was a it was one of those seasons that you know I I joked with somebody and said I I sat on a bucket you know made some moves here and there you know called a couple bunts here and there but we had a lot of smart smart baseball players and you know the run was exciting I mean it hurt it still it probably hurts more today than it did right after the right after the game ended it was a scenario where you know I have a funny story actually about that. I got home that night and we actually had a summer team tournament, uh, game the next day at legacy with the, with the summer guys. And, you know, I ended up going out and came home and, and talked to my wife and literally said, Hey, how's everything going? And she said, really? And she's like, this is the first time you talked to me as a human being in the past three months because of the focus that I had with the <laughs> baseball season. And honestly, I didn't even realize it, man. I had no idea of the supreme focus our team had, you know, along with myself. But it was uh, it was a crazy thing, and you know, I'm super proud of it. But like I said, it probably hurts more today than it did when it was, you know, going down. Mike, I'm a I'm an old school CD Catholic school guy from way back. Like we've talked about it, you know. Like went to Gabriel Richard, started my coaching career there. Um, I. You know, I played against Cardinal Mooney growing up and in high school, and then we coached against him uh, obviously early in my coaching career too. What, you know, I don't mean to to sound like disheartening or whatever, but like what's happened because the Cardinal Mooney of your time there is very different from the Cardinal Mooney I knew. So, like, can you can you take us through that? Like, what's been the the renaissance there? Like, how have you done it? It's been awesome to watch. It's. Uh Thank you, by the way. I appreciate it. I'm a, I actually grew up in the Catholic League. I went to Notre Dame in uh, Harper Woods in the 90s. Um, so I can kind of tell you what happened. I mean, it's almost, you know, again, reflecting on it, you can almost kind of pick it up piece by piece. Uh, I have a really strong relationship with the basketball coach at Cardinal Mooney. And, you know, whatever it was, five, six years ago, there was a couple basketball players that decided to come over to – Cardinal Mooney and it just so happened to play baseball and it kind of was a trickle effect with, with family members, you know, teammates, summer teammates, um, kind of just coming on over to play baseball. And I really, really believe this. I have some close friends and mentors that say, I don't, you know, I don't give myself enough credit, but 
players started coming and they just did right. There was a kid named Antonio Iadisi basketball player that came to Karma Moody to play in, I don't know, 16 or 17. His little brother uh, was a Federation or summer baseball player that, you know, obviously looks up to his big brother, Antonio and says, I'm going to Karma Moody. He has a teammate, another teammate comes aboard and it's just a, it just happened. I'm telling you, it happened when I, when I got there again, with all due respect, you know, there, there was not a lot of players that played baseball, you know, or, you know, summer ball. And it just started happening year by year. And now, you know, our JV program is in a scenario where we have all summer baseball kids, kids that play, you know, throughout the winter and train throughout the winter. And, you know, that's throughout our JV program and varsity program. But again, I'm going to say it again. It's the players, right? Players play and I make it kind of fun for them. I think that's where I kind of come in. So Mike, you talk about how when you came in, you had to kind of build this thing up. Of course, with all due respect and all of that, uh, what were what was what was one of the biggest challenges that you had uh, in those moments where you're trying to whether it's you know resources or fundraising or whatever it may be? I know that you guys uh, at Mooney have to travel to your field; it's not on campus. Um, you guys have to go to Kite Monroe, so I know that there were some challenges there. But just name off one that was one of your bigger challenges, and uh, what was the solution you came up with to kind of make that work and uh, the long longevity that it's had since you've figured that out it's funny you mentioned kite monroe that believe it or not that was one of the big things for us um when i came on board you know that they were playing in a, a field up in uh east china area and it, it just wasn't prepped right it wasn't prepped for high school it wasn't prepped for you know teams traveling from Southfield or birmingham or wherever and showing up and kind of Thing. what kind of what kind of field are we playing on here there was no mound so i did i we happened to reach out to some friends of ours that ran cardinal or kite monroe and built a really strong partnership and they've done a really good job because one thing i wanted i wanted to be proud of you know our home field and i wanted teams like you know richard or or whoever shrine show up and say okay these guys these guys mean business whether people realize it or not, you know, when you look good, you play good. Right. I mean, we have, we have a beautiful field and we take care of it like our home. I mean, that's, that was one of my biggest challenges is finding practice fields, uh, you know, gym time at a small school, you know, there's a big brawl. I'm assuming it's like that at bigger schools, but there's a big brawl for that gym time, you know, during tryouts and things like that. So um, the facilities, we're tough, right, from a, a size perspective. But the, the field, the home field, was a big key for us. It's something we're very proud of. And, you know, you'll see me after every game, win or lose, sitting outside the dugout, waiting for both dugouts to be clean because we want Kite Monroe to keep welcoming us uh, back to the to their place. Does that answer your question? I'll answer for Brandon. Yeah, it answers his question. Uh, <laughs> and I and now I'll ask one of my own. <laughs> so Coach, Brandon, just we just talked about it. You're, you're one of your biggest challenges, what you've had to overcome. What's next? Like, what's the next step on the docket for, for Cardinal Mooney to take with you there running the show? Like, what is the next big uh, obstacle you want to overcome? That seems like an obvious one to me, right? I wanna, you know, win, winning that, and that wasn't sarcastic. 
that, you know, winning that state championship, right, getting there again, it's not something I'm taking for granted because, like I said, last year was – it was a perfect storm with the, with the players that we had. So I think, you know, my my next step for us is to continue to keep challenging – the Catholic league, right. From a a wins loss perspective, we want to get to Comerica park every year. We want to get to that game, that Liggett game that we had last year. Another one that makes my heart hurt, right? Like we want to continue what we're doing. And obviously with that goal to, you know, keep trying to make those runs in the playoffs. And again, division four, division four school at the lower end of the Catholic league. And, I got a guy like Brandon Justice and Brian Sikowski giving me a call to talk on on this wonderful podcast. <laughs> so I want to keep I want to keep I want to keep it going, right? And and you know, for me, my biggest goal for these guys from a baseball standpoint is to help them get to that next level, you know, and that being college, right? We've had some college players come out of Carlo Mooney, right? And it's it's a pretty neat thing when it comes to that and, and the baseball side of things. Speaking of college players to come out of Cardinal Mooney, one of them is your son, Tommy, a catcher who's going to play at Saginaw Valley State starting next year, or this year, I should say, this fall. Uh, so talk about that, man. I mean, there's nothing like a, a father-son relationship, and uh, there's hardly do we ever see high school coaches getting the opportunity to coach their sons Um you know, it's few and far in between. And Tommy's journey, uh, seeing it firsthand and seeing him grow and seeing his drive grow was, uh, was great from my perspective. But uh, talk about it from your perspective and what it's been like. I know that's unique to have to coach him. While it's a great experience, it's obviously unique, and there's probably some challenges there too. So just talk about the journey that you've had coaching Tommy all these years at Cardinal Mooney. Well, you just made my hair stand up on my arms, right? I mean, it's I'm, I'm a proud, proud father, proud coach. Um, you know, it's actually a really cool story, and hopefully, I'm not going to be too blunt, and hopefully, I don't embarrass him. But you know, you were you were a part of this story too, and you know, I coached Tom since he was six, right? We started working with the Metro Stars, and then became prospects. And to be honest with you, it was one of those things where I loved the game so much, and I told my wife, "He's playing, he's playing, he's playing," and he he wanted to watch SpongeBob and go to the ice cream shop and didn't really care if he went over four or didn't drop and block. And, you know, it's just one of those cool stories that you know, you read about on Twitter or you read about on Facebook about people saying, you know, don't give up on these kids when they're 10, 11, 12 years old. I think I saw Tom house or somebody tweet something about it today. And it really, uh, really hits home because he was a kid that just played to play. And then, you know, believe it or not, Brandon, I know I'm on your podcast here, but you know, once I started, bringing him to you and he started really learning some things from a technique standpoint and the catching standpoint, he started buying in himself and he just became, became a, a smart, he was always a smart player, but physically just wasn't ready yet. And like I said, through training and buying in, it's just, it's worked out really, really well. And, and I said to him the other day, I said, what are you going to thank me? He's like, thank you for what? I said, for not giving up on you because you were horrible when you were 10 years old. (laughs) (laughs) But but you guys, it's, you know, being in in baseball for so long and watching these kids that are 10 and 11 and winning national championships and posting pictures of their rings or saying they hit 700, it's like, 
hopefully I don't sound like a mean old man, but that stuff does not matter. It just mm-hmm. doesn't matter. That young, it's like teach them how to play the right way. And then when and if they buy in and get there from a physical standpoint, it works out. It's a, I use this story quite often. Tommy probably gets sick of hearing me talk about it. But you got those kids that bet 900 and hit 300 home runs a summer that right now, you know, when they were doing that when they were 10, right now they might be, you know, playing lacrosse or something because they're big and strong. So mm-hmm. hopefully that doesn't sound like I'm being arrogant or like an old man, but it's like Tom's a good story to bring up to those people that have nine, 10, 11 year olds that just want to be on the field and be buddies with people. And there's nothing wrong with that. Let's uh, let's pivot away from uh, Cardinal Mooney specifically here for a minute and go more towards summer ball. Uh, Mike, we we wanted to put you on the spot and make you break down the 2022 Cardinal Mooney team for us. Uh, but since we're in season, we'll be a little more polite. Tell us about your the travel program this summer. Like, who are you looking forward to seeing the most? Like, tell us about some non-Mooney guys that stand out for you. Like, we'd love to hear about the club. Yeah, I you know what? I'm going to pull up a little stretchy. we got a lot of moving parts going on. And as you guys know, as they get older, you know, rosters change and kids are looking for to get some innings in here and there. It's, it's funny. Um, when they were eight, nine, ten years old, we had a set roster of 11 kids. And that's who played, that's who pitched, that's who played shortstop. And now we got, you know, a lot of different, different dynamics. But we have, you know, funny story about our summer teams. our biggest rival pitcher is on my summer team so right now it's a com- uncomfortable conversation but steven rule who is plays for royal oak shrine is on my summer team so we don't really talk during this time <laughs> that, that i you know i can't wait to see him again but uh yeah so he's one of them uh, there's a couple of kids out in the Midland area, a kid named Gabe Sokol. He's a senior. He's heading to Kalamazoo College. Really excited to see them. I, you know, I, what what I'll tell you right now, without really breaking down the roster like crazy, is I miss the heck out of the guys, right? Like, I love the camaraderie that we've built over the years. And it's a scenario that, uh, you know, I really look forward to seeing them. Hopefully after June 17th or whatever that is, but I really look forward to seeing the boys and, and hanging out. So we have uh, Ty Bodecker, who was going to be on our summer team, is a 10th grader, is a Cardinal Mooney kid. And he's actually heading to play for the Indiana Prospects on a, from a national mm-hmm. standpoint. What we do with the prospects here locally is exactly that. We're, we're a local organization, and we try to really market our players from a recruiting standpoint to the local universities, right? You know, I don't necessarily have those arsenal guys that are the D1s, like the Micah Ottenbrights of the world, but I got the kids that are college players, you know, good GPAs, Mm -hmm. D2, NAIA, D3 type players, and um, that's what we do with the prospects. And so Ty was one of those kids that he was a ninth grader last year, was my starting shortstop on this uh, state finals team at Mooney. I said, let's give this a shot. We have some friends at the Indiana prospects and said, Hey, let's get this kid on your 2024 team. See what happens when you're down there playing in Georgia and, you know, playing with some of the, you know, we'll call it the bigger, better guys down there and see what happens. So hopefully that will work out for him. Trent Rice, my nephew's doing the same thing. Uh, He's a lifelong prospect. And now he's a Indiana prospect for a year. Um, So, 
I don't know, built some cool relationships over the years. Rosters been pretty darn similar since they were eight years old, but you know, some kids go move on to play football. Some kids, you know, move on to do other things. So my roster this year is a little different than what it's been over the years. Well, Mike, we appreciate you coming on. Obviously, we've been talking about this for a while now. Uh, longtime supporter of the show, so we always appreciate uh, your continued interest in the show and helping us grow. You and so many others have uh, been a, a pillar in that for us, so we appreciate it. Uh, Cardinal Mooney has a long season ahead of him, a lot of games left. I think you guys were only, what, 10 or 11 in. We're dealing with a lot of cancellations, which is par for the course this time of the year in the MHSAA. Uh, so good luck the rest of the season. Of course, when we had our uh, predictions for D1, D2, D3, and D4, uh, Cardinal Mooney was a popular choice among many uh, pundits around the state picking. So, of course, this year will be a, a pivotal one for you guys. So good luck. Maybe we'll be talking to you again down the road this season. Uh, and if we don't, then we'll, we'll see you soon. And you can always check out Mike at the Prospect Center in Clinton Township. Nice little facility he's got going out there. Uh, and then, of course, you can watch Carl Mooney at Kite Monroe or maybe another field. Check Max Preps because he's got it updated. We hope everyone starts updating we as well as they do. <laughs> so we appreciate you coming on, Mike. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, boys. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Welcome back. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our interview segment with Coach Mike Rice. We certainly did. Uh, Brandon, you know, we, we've talked about this a bunch with different people and even just between you and I, but like love those stories about program building. And this is came into play when we talked to, to Coach Banfield from Oakland University not too long ago. Like, you know, Coach Rice had to go into what was not a super attractive situation at Cardinal Mooney. And I remember that from my playing days in the same league as Cardinal Mooney. And even my the beginning of my coaching career, uh, we coached, I coached against Cardinal Mooney. And, and not an enviable, enviable situation. It goes into a tough field situation, a tough talent situation, et cetera, et cetera. And um, guys come in and, and he turns the program around into a winner uh, and he's sending guys from that program to college to play baseball. That was unheard of not all that long ago. Uh, and I just, I love those types of stories, man. I love those. This is how we did it. This is how you got to do it. This is, it's just hard work and, and sacrifice and focus on a goal and the team mentality. And like, Hey, I just, I dig that stuff, man. I'm happy we had him on finally. Yeah. I think he put it well when he said everyone's journey and although every everything is so case by case right everyone isn't going to build their program the same way that coach blank filled build their program at school blank right so um just hearing perspective on that from from our perspective i think not as like podcast hosts or anything but just as coaches right and i know you're not quote-unquote coaching but you're still a coach i still call you coach you're still a coach that's fair from a coaching perspective when we hear these things we're like oh Huh. You know, it's almost like you're not taking notes, but you're taking mental notes uh, where those things are going to resonate, whether you're coaching somewhere down the line or whether you're talking to someone down the line that's, pro, you know, program building and you're learning and finding little things. Because, you know, I've always thought this and this might be true. It might not be. But I, uh, I have interviewed for like one head coaching job ever. And when I interviewed for it, they asked me like what my philosophy was, quote unquote. And I was basically just like, well, I'm a product of the people I've coached, people I've coached against the people who coached me and the people who coached against them like I've learned and the people I've talked to right so it's like I've learned from 
both sides. And I'm always trying to learn mm-hmm. from both sides. And whether I do the best job of that sometimes is <laughs> maybe I'm barking at the other guy because we got it's it's gotten chippy at some point. Those things have happened. I'm a human being. I'm okay to admit that. Like I've I've probably gone out of line in that in that regard once or twice in my life, I'm sure. I'm just saying in, <laughs> with my best interests in mind, we show up to the field, we're like, okay, what can we learn today? Right? Like that's usually our motive. So whenever we have these interviews, we're trying to first and foremost shine the light and you know give these guys the platform they deserve and then educate people who are listening on, on what they did. But from a personal perspective, I think you can agree like we're also learning ourselves. And I, I learned from conversations like the ones with Coach Banfield and I learned from a conversation like the one we have with Coach Rice. And uh, program building is such a um, great topic in my opinion um, in, in any sport. It doesn't matter in any sport. And I know you like the word co- culture. I like the word culture. Right. Uh, and you learn a lot about that because everyone builds their culture, I think, in kind of a unique way. It's, and nothing is really one size fits all in any sport, I don't think, but especially in, in baseball because it's so – you could have 18 players and have the best team in the state. You could have 26 players and have the best team in the state. You could have 14 players and have the best team in the state. Yeah. How you handle each number – like each of those rosters, how you handle them based on the numbers is completely different. So it's in the community you're in and the resources that you have and the talent that you have coming in, whether it be by um, vetting or, or just naturally. Right. So it's it's all very interesting because it's all so unique. So I, I liked hearing Coach Rice's story. Um, obviously, I've heard it from him. That's why we thought it was a good idea to have him on. Um, but it was great to hear him tell it from from his side of things. So uh, now with with all that in mind, we're moving into mm-hmm. we're moving into the fun part. Right. The Super 25, and, where we have this, you talk about enviable situations. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody, I think I think there's a lot of people out there who be like, mm, well, maybe I should have a vote for the Super 25. And it's like, well, sir, <laughs> if you knew what went into having to research the Super 25 to the best of our ability with the information that we're given based on the internet, right, uh, and, and just conversations, et cetera, uh, maybe you wouldn't envy it as much because we... <laughs> It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I love it. But, but during the season, we grind this thing out. And all credit to you. I think you grind it harder with it than I do. But uh, I think uh, the guy, the, the couch, the couch coach that we all know and love, so many of them out there, probably wouldn't want to get in on the Super Twenty Five sometimes because we talked about learning who Buchanan is. Well, we learned them because we had to reach. <laughs> we got reached out to by Chris Pricing and all of that. But like, we still are learning. Like, we just learned about Forest Hills Eastern because if we just dove that deep into researching what these teams are doing and who they're playing against. So like. Those are the depths you take with this thing, right? And on the next episode of Save It for Therapy with Brandon <laughs> and Brian, uh, we're going to talk about our relationships with our fathers. Um, but anyways, I knew, <laughs> I knew you were coming back with something that was going to be like just. I was sitting there talking, and I like you never talk and just like think at the same time. And you're like, all right, Brian's about to say something, probably like extremely, obviously. <laughs> sarcastic and i'm like i don't let's know what it's about, gonna be but let's I, talk I, about I our daddy issues greatly yeah. anticipating it <laughs> and if my dad's listening no dad i do love you <laughs> it was there was a minute there when i was like i know we get personal on this show but like i thought brandon was gonna start crying for a second there um not that crying's bad good crying's no, good we endorse crying uh, on the show is, is what i'm told yeah real authentic, um, authentic podcast Anyways, let's jump into the damn Super 25. We're going to start at the bottom with the also-considered. Folks, what what had happened was it was a crazy week. Um, there was a lot of movement this week. There was a, a, you know, a crap ton of movement. Look at me stopping myself from swearing. 
Um, crap ton of movement last week. You saw that reflected on the, the graphic we put out on social media. Graphic design is my passion, if anybody couldn't tell. Uh, um, but anyways, lots of movement, um, lots of activity. Not a ton of newcomers, just a lot of movement within the existing structure of 30. But anyways, we're going to start with the also considered. Monroe uh, fell down a little bit from number 24. They're still in the ACs, but not ranked within the uh, the top 25, mostly due in part to a series loss to Celine. Um, Hemlock is here. They're still in the mix. They were... Uh, they had a four and one week or four, one and one week from what we see uh, a super 25 also considered um, we, uh, they just in the same spot they were last week is, is what I'm stumbling around to say uh, Beale city in the same spot, lost a game to Gladwin swept was Ross common, was common, Ross common. I can speak words. Um, Detroit Edison here in the also considered, they dropped about 10 spots this week, lost to Detroit Western lost to rice. Um, you know, just to, they're ten and five. Um, need to continue getting healthier. Brandon, I think, is what we've talked about. Still wanted to keep them on the radar. Still think they're a good team, uh, but need to see them find a little bit more consistency week to week, and they'll be right back up where they were. And rounding out the also considered a total newcomer this week, and that's Livonia Franklin. Um, Brandon, we didn't have them anywhere. Until this week, when uh, upon doing some research, we noticed that they were beating some teams we were looking up, and finally looked over to see their record, and they're fourteen and two overall. So, welcome to the also considered Livonia Franklin. Brandon, you're up. Yes, Livonia Franklin. This is the fun part of the year with the Super Twenty Five because you you're a few weeks in now, or a month in, I should say, and now you can start to take serious when teams have the records that they have. Uh, and that was evident with Lavonia Franklin and also with a couple of teams here we're about to name off. So 25 and 24, we have two also considered teams from last week that are going to enter the rankings this week. This is evidence that when you are put into the also considered, you are in fact considered. Uh, and then if you succeed past that, then you will find your way into the super 25. Brought to you by Cole Weather Bats. All right. So at 25, we've got Royal Oak Shrine, uh, 15 and 2. They're a team that we watched play Orchard Lake early on this year. And no, they did not on the scorebook compete compete in that game. But, but when you watched it, uh, they were a good team. They were a sound team. And we had them on our watch list since, their, uh, since that game. Uh, and then obviously they're very active um, with Cole Weather Bats on Twitter. So they make it clear how they do that week because they let us know. Wink, wink to all those out there who want to let us know how you play. Follow Royal Oak Shrine. They do a great job of it. Uh, Royal Oak Shrine is 15-2. and two. They continue to win a lot of baseball games. I think they only lost one game in April um, because I believe the St. Mary's game was at the end of March, I think. so. Mm-hmm. They, they I think you're lost, right. Yeah, they only lost one game in the whole month, um, and that's undeniable. And they find their way in the top 25 with a lot of momentum um, that they could carry up here throughout the season. At 24, we've got Dexter. Uh, Dexter played, again, I think Orchard Lake St. Mary's games are a good way to measure someone's talent because nine times out of ten, when a team is playing St. Mary's, they're put, they're throwing their best at them, and you're going to see what that team looks like with their best out there against the number one team in the country. So, with that being said, Dexter three nothing lost to Orchard Lake St. Mary's uh, this week. Other than that, they had a perfect week. Well, I lost to Orchard Lake St. Mary's, but swept Tecumseh and swept Lincoln for a four and one week. They're eleven and four overall. Um, Wyatt Navarra 
I believe is the one who at the top of the rotation for them, the lefty who was in the upper 80s and up to 90 against St. Mary's. He can carry them in, in really any game and win them a game. We always mention how important it is to have that dominant arm at the top. Uh, Dexter has that. At 23, we've got Country Day. Uh, Detroit Country Day is rising up two spots from 25 last week. They're 9-3 overall. They came through Downriver with a shovel and buried buried everyone. They played three Downriver teams this weekend. Woodhaven, Trenton, and Southgate wins in all three. I believe two of those were shutouts. Uh, might have been three, but I know they shut out Woodhaven and Trenton. Uh, they also beat Westland, Westland John Glenn during the week. And then they lost to Orchard Lake St. Mary's in what was a competitive and close game for the first few innings, uh, but ended up being, I believe, a 7-2 win for the Eaglets. And then at 22, we've got West Bloomfield. Uh, they stick at the same spot they were last week. Uh, they're 15 and five overall. They took two or three from Seaholm and swept Berkeley for a three and one week, or I'm sorry, for a four and one week. At 21, we've got St. Clair again sticking in their spot. They're 12 and two, uh, but swept and swept Lance Cruz North, a good team in Lance Cruz North, uh, but had two losses this week, their first two of the year uh, to Chelsea and to Utica Ford. So uh, St. Clair sticks at 21, West Bloomfield sticks at 22, Country Day up two spots at 23, and then two newcomers. Uh, Dexter at 24, Shrine at 25. And then that takes us to 20. And at number 20, Rochester Adams, who's moved up three spots this week from 23 to 20. Um, a good week. Won a series versus Clarkston, taking two out of three. Uh, they got a W over Romeo, and I believe they swept a doubleheader against Perrysburg uh, out of Ohio, if I'm re- reading that correctly. Um, number 19, Bay City John Glenn. This is a faller this week. They were at number 13 last week. Swept by Freeland. Uh, whose name you'll hear shortly. Um, let's see, what, what do we got here, Coach? Swept by Freeland, uh, lost a game to Garber, still really buying the ability there uh, of that team. At, at John Glenn still like you know optimistic on their future uh, endeavors in, in high school baseball this year. So uh, John Glenn at, at 19. Grand Rapids Christian at 18. This is a riser. They're up from 20. Um, remember, this was a top 10 team preseason, kind of stumbled out of the gate. Uh, had like a three and three start, something like that. Believe they're on a five game winning streak. I think they had a five and a week. Um, bumped them up a couple spots to, to number eighteen. Grand Rapids Christian Freeland, who was not on the watch list before this week. I'm just going to be honest. We didn't have anything on Freeland, and then they went full on swept John Glenn um, and are standing at eleven and two, twelve and two, something like that overall. Uh, had to get them in the mix this week. That's them at number seventeen. Um, number 16, Portage Northern. This is another faller. Not a ton of spots down from number 11. They swept Stevensville Lakeshore, who is a good team, but lost two to Forest Hills Eastern, who you heard us talk about uh, in the intro segment, and you will hear us talk about later in this segment as well. Uh, and number 15, that's Homer. Um, again, you heard us talk about some we, – we really don't know what their record is because depending on where you look, it says something different and Twitter, whatever. So, again, Homer folks, please – Slide into our DMs and let us know if you're listening. We would just we would just love to know which one is accurate so we can know where to look every week. But yeah, Homer at 15 because regardless of if they're 14 and one or eight no or whatever, they're off to a good start. They're having a good year. So Homer at 15. Oh, I screwed up, Brandon. I should have stopped at 16. That's my bad. No worries. It's just the podcast. It's not a big deal. So at <laughs> number 14, we've got a faller uh, in Woodhaven who had a, a long week with a lot of games. Uh, they won two over Seaholm. Uh, they beat Wyandotte, soundly. Uh, they, they beat Rochester, uh, <laughs> and they lost to Country Day. 
so right now that puts them at 11 and five overall and the losses to Rochester and country day, the Rochester loss doesn't look good. Uh, the country day loss was a shutout. So, you know, that is kind of a flaw for Woodhaven this year is they're not, doesn't look like they're going to hit the ball as well as they have in the past top to bottom. Um, we'll see what they can come up with. They're still a really talented team. They got arms like Kyle Harris, shortstop and arm like Ray Perez, who are going to be more than, you know, good enough to put them in a spot to not only win a district, potentially win another regional. Um, so they're not falling off too much here, but they are down to 14 with the record at 11 and five uh, at 13. We've got Goodrich. Goodrich continues to rise. They are still one of the undefeated teams left in the mitten. Uh, they're 13 and Oh, Swept Brandon four times. So, namesake, not doing hey. well this week. Uh, <laughs> Let them know. Yeah, beat, yeah. Yeah, right. Beat New Lothrop, and they uh, beat a team, Hill McCloy, which is an extraordinary school name. And then at 12, we've got Hudsonville. Uh, Hudsonville is a team that is like one of those year in, year out teams where they're kind of like old school Michigan baseball, like they were good before Michigan baseball was at the level it's at now uh, type of team. And they're rising up this year. They didn't have like last year wasn't a huge rise for them in the super 25, but this year at number 12, uh, and this week, I should say at number 12, they're at nine and two took two or three from a talented Granville, uh, you know, program there. And then also beat gold Lake. And at 11, we've got the bucks of Buchanan. Uh, they are nine and two. They were nine or they were, I believe eight, no seven, no going into this week, but lost to Lakeshore and split with Barry and Springs. So one and two week uh, for Buchanan puts them at nine and two overall and drops them from number, where were they at last week? Number 10 to number 11. So only one spot. And that takes us into the. It's going to sound a lot cooler after the effects, Brian. So, you know, (laughs) I'm absolutely confident that it will. Um, Number 10, Richmond into the top 10, maybe for the first time since we've been doing one of these. I don't think we had them in the top 10 last year at some point. I think they snuck in last year, like right around the same area. But yeah, this is still a high point for them regardless. Anyways, Richmond, uh, welcome to the top 10. Um, Has to be considered one of the favorites in D2. That's what we talked about already. Uh, They're standing at 13 and 4 or something like that, something along those lines. Who's to say? Tough to find uh, as far as updating there. Uh, Number 9, Rockford. Uh, This is a drop of one spot for them. They lost their first games of the season this week, split with East Grand Rapids, took an L to Jenison. Uh, We only dropped them one spot. But another multi-loss week, we'll see them tumble out of the top 10 almost assuredly. Number eight, this is the highest newcomer of the week, Forest Hills Eastern at 14-0, and or whatever they are. Um, coming out of the gate hot, uh, you know, a couple big wins, Brandon, like we talked about. They, they swept uh, Portage Northern, um, liking them as, as, a, as a potential favorite in Division Two right now. They're all the way up to number eight overall. Uh, number seven is Howell. This is another riser this week. They were number 12 last week. Swept a good Heartland team. Brandon touched on it. Howell versus Northville on Monday, uh, Monday, May 2nd. So maybe you'll hear this episode before that. We hope so. But um, either way, that's going to be a massive matchup. Definitely pay attention to that. And number six is Brother Rice down a couple spots this week. Um, they split with Liggett. So the with on the season, they have a split with Liggett. Uh, they split with U of D. Um, Brandon, I, we, we don't have to talk about Rice. We already have. But, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of 
what we expected, like Liggett and Rice are going to battle for second while St. Mary's runs away from everybody with first in the, in the Catholic league anyways. Yeah. And then from a playoff perspective, Rice has what it takes to win any game because they have an ace and Alfredo Velasquez who can go out, you know, he's no hit Liggett before and he can go out there and pretty much pitch against any lineup. So they, they do have what it takes with him on the mound. It's just a question of what can they do the next day or what can they do later that day in that um, type of race. And so, they're still, but look, I mean, you're at six, like you're, you dropped a couple of spots, but you're still valued as a top 10 team. And we, we still see rice as a top 10 team. And, uh, you know, they just get some bats going here and there and who knows what can happen for rice. Right. And they, they I don't know enough to know if they have a true number two. Um, but you know, Alfredo is a class of his own at there. Right. Whereas like who they have to compete with a la orchard Lake has like three of him or maybe even four. I don't know how you want to describe it, but that's kind of the, the contrast for rice right now so at five and we'll move into that top five uh, at five we've got new boston huron uh a 12 and 2 team who split with livonia stevenson this week and i know we got some comments about having new boston huron as high as we have them uh and that's because well folks they're 12 and 2 which is good and better than the teams that are commenting about them and they do have a loss to grozeal and they do have a loss to livonia stevenson um, but they also have two of the strongest uh and best arms in the state at the top with Luke Cole and uh, Gavin Muzzy, whose last name I do not even want to try to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> and the thing with that is we just I just we just went on a little bit of a talk about having a pitcher at the top of the rotation. We talked about it with uh, Rice and we've talked about it with Grand Rapids Christian and Kyle Remington. And we've talked about it with plenty of others like Grand Blank and David Lally. So, you know, the list goes on. Huron has two of those. So that is why we value them. As much as we do, uh, and then at four we've also, got. Also, you mentioned the comments, Brando. Like you mentioned the comments on Instagram. Like I love them, most of them. <laughs> Engagement um, is engagement. Like, I love when the kids are on there, like talking back and forth. Like I love it when we got the even. I, I even like the anonymous Barstool Monroe High School account or whatever that nonsense is. Like engaging with us, I do. I do like that. Like that's all cool. But like when you see the the fifty year old like incel guy from Lincoln Park like talking all over the comments, like that's when it's like, all right, that dude. We're, we're probably going to block here? that guy. What are we doing? Here? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that was click on his bio too. It'll tell you all you need to know about him. But anyways. Um, yeah, anyways, Brandon, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just thought that was funny. I've done worse. <laughs> uh, number four, such as a therapy session. At number four, <laughs> we've got Liggett. Liggett moves from three to four, so one spot down for Liggett. They split with Rice, as we mentioned um, before, and then they swept CC. And that is a telling series, I think, and that is exactly why we have Liggett over Rice, is the sweep over CC. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... That's that. I don't really feel like we need to dive any further into the whole Liggett Rice split thing. Um, and the reason that we have here on above Rice is again, like we just mentioned, like the pitching staff more. Uh, all right. Now, moving on to number three, it is the highest peak of their Super 25 lifespan, which started last week. Uh, and that is Northville, who suffered their first loss this year, or yes, suffered their first loss this week, uh, this season to Canton, two to one. They uh, are still 16 and one. They still swept Celine and they still swept Novi this week. So uh, they were still able to go five and one and a five and one week in Michigan is hard to come by. Uh, and especially at 16 and one. So the loss to Canton, Canton threw their ace, uh, the Williams kid who threw really well as a two, one game, 
folks, it's as simple as that when you're valuing losses in the Super 25 thing. Some people ask for right criteria. That criteria is simple. They lost a 2-1 game to a Canton team with their ace on the mound. Still went 5-1 in the week. Still 16-1. I think it's clear as day that they're a top five team right now. Uh, and if they can continue to take this long throughout the season, uh, we mentioned them earlier as a D1 dark horse. That is why I believe it. Uh, so Northfield playing a lot of good ball, finding themselves at number three. At number two, we have no changes here. Number two is still Grand Blank. Yes, Grand Blank lost to Powers Catholic this week, 4-1. to one. However, they are still 12-2. and two. They still have arguably the second best arm in the state, I would say. Maybe not even arguably. Um, I guess the only mm-hmm. argument would be who's better, Porter or him. I'd say Porter. Lally second. Uh, regardless, they have him at the top. He can go out there and throw against anyone in the state, even St. Mary's, uh, and that's that. And then Orchard Lake St. Mary's sticks at number one. They are 21-0. They did have their closest games I think of the year this week, even counting yeah. the Lickett game, uh, they yep. beat. I'll let you take this one because I know you're going to have more to offer here than I do. But regardless, St. Mary sticks at number one. Brian, tell us why. No, I, it's a they've The offense has gone quiet the last three games or whatever. Beat Dexter three nothing and swept Catholic Central two nothing and one nothing. So getting really good pitching and and you know I. It, Brock Porter's Brock Porter, et cetera, et cetera. But like, and they keep winning. They're 21 and 0. Like, no one's going to ding them for not mercying teams or anything. But like, yeah, offense went a little quiet. They had to do it with defense and pitching. And, um, but you and I both know the sign of a good team is you can win any way you want to. So I think that'll just be a little bit mid season lull right now. Yeah, you can't go through the season mercying everyone because as soon as you get some adversity, you're going to. You have no idea what to do with it. I think that's how I look at it, and I yep. think that you would agree with that. So uh, that rounds out that rounds out our Super Twenty Five for the week, and we'll recap it here. And we, I will start from also considered and work our way down. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. We've got in the also considered section this week: Monroe, Hemlock, Beale City, Detroit, Edison, and newcomer Livonia Franklin. From twenty five down, we've got twenty five Royal Oak Shrine, newcomer, uh, newcomer Dexter at number twenty four. And then Detroit Country Day, West Bloomfield, St. Clair, and Rochester Adams to round out that 25 to 20. From 19 to 15, we've got Bay City, John Glenn, Grand Rapids Christian, Newcomer, Freeland at 17, Portage Northern dropping to 16, and Homer at 15, who continues to rise. From 14 to 10, we've got Woodhaven, who dropped down a bit at 14, Goodrich, who's still undefeated and moving up at 13, Hudsonville at 12, who's rising, and Buchanan dropping one spot to 11, suffering their first two losses of the year. And then your top 10 is 10, Richmond, 9, Rockford, 8, Newcomer. Yes, that's right. 8 is a newcomer, and it's the red-hot Forest Hills Eastern team. Uh, 7 is Howell, also red-hot. 6, Brother Rice. 5, New Boston Huron. 4, Liggett. Three, Northville, who is the hottest team in the state right now. And two, Grand Blank. Well, besides number one, <laughs> Orchard Lake St. Mary's, <laughs> who is 21-0. Everything I said, everything I say about Michigan baseballs as a team, like anytime I say, oh, this team's hot, it has to, there has to be an asterisk because St. Mary's is clearly the hottest team in the state each week. It's just one of those things where it's like, can we get let's let's look at some other teams who are <laughs> doing really well and let's right. call them, them the hottest team this time around. Um, but that rounds out your Super Twenty Five, and I think that was, I mean, Brian, I don't know if you agree, that was one of the more interesting Super Twenty Fives we've had since we started it to sort out mm-hmm. because there there was like almost there was almost no chalk. I mean, even St. Mary's. Look, if there if St. Mary's wasn't like unquestionably number one. The games they had this week would make you think like, hmm, I wonder if, you know, X, Y, and Z, right? 
uh, just because they had some close ones. So it really wasn't it wasn't a chalk week, and there was all kinds of movement around. I mean, evidence of it is Forest Hills Eastern moving up to eight, Freeland moving into seventeen, and Northfield jumping as high as they've jumped in two weeks, all the way up to number three. And it's like I think this is you know you can give credit to Catholic Central here specifically, and then like Dexter, we talked about it. Like Dexter played a really good game against St. Mary's. They threw their ace, who threw really well against St. Mary's, and that even though they lost, they lost close and it moved them up for us. You know what I mean? And then uh, Catholic central is another example, man. Like they, they're not, their record is not good enough to have on our list because they're like 500 or whatever it is, but they keep playing close games. They keep getting better. They lost two very close games to St. Mary's. They lost twice to Buchanan. Uh, both were good games. As far as I remember them, like, you know what I mean? Like they, they lose close to rice. Like they lose close to Liggett. Like it's, it's, that's a team that's coming, and I think next year we'll be talking about them as very good instead of like just interesting um, or you know competitive, which is what they are. But yeah, it's I think the Catholic League is just going to stay good and keep getting better. It's a good time. It's a good time. So that about wraps up the show. Uh, again, a fun show. Mike Rice's interview was awesome. The state championship picks were fun. And our weekly Super 25, I think, uh, was a, like we just recapped a lot of fun. So uh, with all that being said, I will do some housekeeping and then take us out of here. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, old social media, at ColdWeatherBats. Uh, make sure if you are a coach or an administrator or a parent or whatever and you're listening to this and you are like, hey, I don't think that they know enough about my team in the Super 25 or just in general, and you want us to know more, tag us in your scores, tag us in your tweets, just tag us, or DM us and tag us, or whatever it is. The more we know, the better. Educate us. We don't care. We're all for it. We love it. That's the whole point of the show. Uh, so again, at Cold Weather Bats, all social media, give us a follow, give us a tweet, whatever you want to do. Uh, past that, the Super 25 is back again next week. We've got some exciting games coming up. We already mentioned Northville and Howell as a top 10 Super 25 game. Uh, we'll, we'll be sure to recap that for you next week, and we'll get some exciting things going for next episode. With that being said, for Brian, for Super Producer James, and for Cold Weather Bats, I am Brandon Justice. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you again next week.